Oh, hey there, listener. First of all, I want to apologize for making you listen to these two chooches while I've been on Cape Cod catching some R&R in a couple of ball games. I'm not going to lie. I had a cause light or two, and it felt great because I didn't know what the hell was going on with Congress under the age of 45. Now, granted, I felt like a real chowderhead being this uninformed, so I thought to myself, you know what? Kid, get your ass back to Venice, hop back on the pod, and tell these two yuppies a thing or two about what's going on in the world. So... Grab your cause lights, kiddos. We're getting into it. Let's go. Roll credit. Welcome to Political Playlist. <laughs> All right. Are we ready, guys? Happy hour. Happy, Happy hour. hour. <laughs> that up so bad. God. Hey, guys. It is great to be back with your beautiful faces. <laughs> that was a good Boston accent. That was. Like, do you have family members that have a Boston accent? Because that was impressive. You know, I've done my research out in the wild. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of the harder I ones, on I the... think. <laughs> I think you're in the wrong profession. Yeah, I think you honest, maybe Michael. should be a voiceover I... artist. Oh. Well, is a podcast close enough? I feel like <laughs> everyone needs a second of, income. Do everyone we all need to do characters? By the way, somehow your little... accent disappeared. Yes, yes. No, I'm back in Venice now, bruh. So like, bruh. it's just like whatever, you know. But like, you guys look pretty tan. Am I looking at like a filter? Or is this yeah, like bruh. you guys been in the sun? Uh, finally, my Lebanese descent is getting to me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, I don't. I don't know about that. It. it thunderstorms from 3 to 6 p.m. basically every day mm-hmm. in Denver. Fun. Wow. Yeah. Kind of wild. Dope. dope. Um, well, it's great to see you guys. I feel like I haven't seen no. you in two weeks, which is a, a new record. An eternity. It's been yeah. a while. Uh, editorial note, it felt great. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so what's been going on? Anything new to report? Uh, do you want to just like talk about life or are we going to talk about politics? Prefer well, not life at this point. Yeah. I <laughs> listen, admittedly, I did not listen to the last two episodes that you recorded, but oh, it's okay. We were just they talked good? about you the whole time. So were they good? Were they funny? I were think you... they were fantastic. I will mm-hmm. say, I feel like they were very informative, actually. Oh, wow. Guys, I feel like this has been. Uh, despite being summer and despite being on recess, this has been like, I feel like shit is making news left and right. But here is the thing that I want to get into. If if you guys are, if you guys will let me, mm-hmm. um, we got to talk about the U S women's soccer team. Ugh. And oh this, I have so many opinions, okay. this just to, to surprise to no one. Uh, this is wild. So, let me set this up for you guys, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive into it. So the U.S. women's soccer team, which is an extraordinary group of athletes, they've been on such a run. They've really been building just a, a sports legacy here in, in many ways. Um, they lost to uh, in the in the World Cup uh, kind of a terrible loss. They, they were kicked out early. It was one of their worst finishes they've ever had. Rather than rally behind this incredible you know group of athletes which i think we can objectively say they are tremendous athletes um many people in the gop including the former president and gop frontrunner donald trump decided to instead taunt these people and turn this whole thing into basically a political shit show so Let me give you let me read some quotes here and then we can kind of we can start to unpack this. Trump said 
The loss is fully emblematic of the decline of our once great nation under crooked Joe Biden. He went on to say, woke equals failure in all caps. Nice shot, Megan. This is in reference to a penalty kick that Megan Rapinoe missed, which effectively cost them the game. He went on to say, nice shot, Megan. The U.S. is going to hell, three exclamation points. MAGA. This sort of then started, kind of lit a little forest fire among a lot of uh, right-wing media uh, people. Um, Megan Kelly said that Megan Rapinoe has poisoned the entire team against the country for which they play ahead of the game. Um, other people, this right-wing activist, uh, Bridget Gabriel said, I love America and that's why I am not, that's why I am rooting against the woke U.S. women's national team this year. So like, this is kind of crazy that this has become the conversation around a, a national sports team. I guess my first question to you is, why is this good? And why are people actually buying into this nonsense? Why is it good? I mean, I don't think it's good. I think these are my thoughts. Yeah. Because I, I saw Trump's tweet and I literally like my jaw dropped because I was sort of, I'm sorry, not his tweet, his truth social post. Right. And um, because I was just like, I honestly like the blow towards Meg. I don't know if I think it's Megan Rapino. Um, but I'm wrong. It's but anyway, I, oh okay. Um, anyway, maybe the it's blow Rapino. towards the blow towards her. I like I think is expected, but it was kind of shocking to me this like turn against the entire team, mm-hmm. and I sort of my high level thought about it is like. I find it to be really ridiculous because the Republicans have tried to frame themselves as the party of America, the party of freedom, the party of American values, frankly, the party of patriotism. And I think that you've actually seen a lot of that backlash from the left, which I also find to be very annoying of people on the left being like anti-America and like, oh, I don't want to live here anymore and all this stuff. I find both of those ideas to be equally unbeneficial to our country but what is so interesting to me is that like there is inherently very few things that are more american than an american sports team competing at the international level and i think specifically an american sports team who has had such a winning record competing at the international level and so the idea that there's like this beef being taken with the entire team and more so like the sort of lashing at them about losing which is just like so such a low blow I find to be incredibly disrespectful but sort of even in a more surface way than that incredibly anti what I feel like the Republican message is which is that America is superior America is the greatest country in the world we produce the best athletes we produce the you know the best products we produce the best et cetera et cetera et cetera um so I just think that it's like, decide, decide either you love mm-hmm. America, which means you love everything that we do on the world mm-hmm. stage and you view us as, you know, the best, or you, you know, think that your patriotism is selective, which I think frankly is kind of bullshit. So so um, can I, can I, yeah. <clears throat> so did either of you watch the game? 
I mean, it was on at 2 a.m. So I did, but yeah. I did watch the end. The like, Did either of you know minutes. the game was happening? I did. You did? Okay. I would just argue that a lot of people did. Yeah. Even though I, maybe you <clears throat> didn't, but. I, I think it's tough. In the with circles some... I run, people knew. <laughs> sure. So, so let's like think about this, right? The, there were six players who stood silent during the national anthem. And, you know, we had this happening through NFL and a couple of other major league, you know, sports teams. To me, it's kind of tough. You're playing for the U.S. women's soccer team in the World Cup. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of confused at what you're protesting at right now when you also have a Democrat as the president. And I'm wondering what, what you're trying to prove. Now, Trump jumped on this, President Trump had jumped on this situation, smart. Look how much you know media it has caused and attention it has brought to the game. But I'm actually just kind of curious about these six members. You are representing the U.S. and you're too, I, it's a respectful thing. And I, I don't know, I kind of feel like yeah, sometimes but I also sitting down with my grandparents for dinner or something. But, it's, but that's, I think there's like a difference between being polite and being proud. And like, well, it's also representing your country in something. Right. But that, look at like the Olympics when the, you know, black, I forget what year it was, but in during the civil rights movement at the Olympics, when the black people who won didn't, you know, lifted their fists and didn't recite the national, the, you know, didn't sing to the national anthem. It's like, they're proud of that their competition, but they don't necessarily think that their country is representative of that. And I look like, I think this is why I'm saying, like, I don't think that there's any surprise that their people are going after these women for not standing for the national anthem what i think is like so fucking weird is demeaning professional athletes for losing and for you know competing at like such a high level it just feel i think that like trump is butthurt because the last team didn't want to go to the white house when they mm. won the world cup and it's like he's lashing out and i think you're right he is really smart because it's like seizing on these cultural issues is the thing that's going to get people riled up. Um, but I also think that there's like an understanding that these people did, they sacrificed years of their lives to do this and they didn't get what they wanted. And like, they have nothing to blame. There's nothing to blame for that other than their own underperformance. Like it has what, nothing what, to do what are, with like their they, wokeism. Have they come out to protest anything specifically? Well, Megan Rapinoe is like an activist in her of course, own right. Yeah. Right. All of them. Was she one of the part... ones who wasn't uh, participating in the national anthem? I believe I honestly didn't see any of the national anthem, so I don't know. Mm. Anthony, did you? Where did you see that video? Um, I mean, it was all over the news. So let me check. Anyway, I, yeah. I the biggest thing that they've all been a part of is the equal pay movement. Right. Um, to get paid the same as the men's team, and then beyond that. Rapino and her own right and some of the other women have been very vocal about uh abortion access and transgender rights right. and and she's gay so lgbtq rights in um in general but well i guess yeah, she, well, was, she was know, one of them yeah. one of one of my questions that that i was asking you know in the beginning was you know when i let me clarify 
is this good? And I, I guess my question actually was, do we think this is effective, right? Because we're seeing so much of the Republican Party, particularly now that we're in heading into a presidential election, uh, that they are latching on to this grievance politics, which is pretty pretty devoid of any substantive policy, at least from a you know surface level conversation. Um, so, you know, with things like this, do you think that it is effective that they are attacking, you know, national athletes? Um, and I, I guess it's the effective part- for Trump to win the primary. But do you think people are responding to that? Do you think people are really like saying are, are really getting riled up about like being anti women's soccer team? Yes, but I think it's the people that like are already the percentage of people who will you know follow trump yeah, to the grave so well, i don't i don't know that it's like a message that's really converting anybody i think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways as a woman i take a lot of offense to this because i feel like it feels very aggressive and very like anti woman in a lot of ways especially given the fact that like all these women have fought so hard for equal pay and that's like a big stamp of this team in particular mm-hmm. So I I can't speak for, you know, Republican women out there, but yeah, Trump is doing something brilliant right now. I mean, he is leaning into a issue that was part of his presidency when people were doing it in the States Mm -hmm. that many people caught on to. A lot of people said they stopped watching football, but newsflash, if you look at all the reports, highest uh, yeah. degree, uh, you know, a viewership during that right. time and money that was made right. by the NFL. So that's a farce, but he's, he's leaning into something of people saying our leaders in America are un-American, right? Which is resonating with people across the country. Right. My argument I mean, is that I think half these people have your... no idea the soccer team was playing, women's soccer team was playing. But I think my argument is that disparaging your own nat- team that is representing your nation is also very un-American. So I, I let, agree. Yeah. I let agree. me ask you this. Do you think there's a difference between kneeling for a national anthem in a domestic sporting event in the United States versus kneeling or not participating on a global stage? I don't know. That's a really good question. I do. Um, I think it's different. I think it's different. Um, It seemed like this issue maybe started in the US. Maybe I could be wrong on that. So don't quote me. Um, But once again, you're representing the United States in a world competition. Um, And for media reports to kind to to infer or assume why they were kneeling to me is wrong so if you're going to do it like come out with a statement and tell me why you did not sing the national anthem right instead don't we haven't looked for that so i i i just did no one's talking (laughs) so if you're actually going to make that big of a stand on a world stage Hmm. let's let's dive deeper into it and maybe they'll come out because it's made so much news now but i i just don't know and maybe they're following their leader in this sense right right and Mm -hmm. which is what reports are saying so well the last thing i want to say about this which i think that people 
to kind of just go end on like the actual sports side of it is one of the reasons that they lost so early is that women's soccer has become so big around the world and so competitive, largely thanks to how talented the United States has been in the past. So I don't think it's because they're too woke. I think it's because they set the bar really high and all these other countries met their match. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, there is something very uh, important in, in my view about representing the United States when you are abroad in a way that might be different than how you potentially act here at home. I mean, it's kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, it feels a little bit like airing our own domestic dirty laundry mm -hmm. while abroad, which I I sort of take issue with. And I, I do think that there's a different standard of comportment, as it were. Yeah. Uh, with regard to how one might act or or should act uh while playing on these sort of international stages versus, you know, a football game in Dallas, mm -hmm. Texas, y you know, yeah. um, I think those are different in my view. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to you, you guys make great points that like, okay, what were they, what were they in protest for? We're inferring, but they didn't put out a statement, yeah. um, you know, yeah. and yeah. And, and by the way, I think if they had sang the national anthem or for the national anthem and the same thing had happened, mm -hmm. I think that Trump would still be after yeah. them. So in a weird way, it's almost like they should have just stood so that they that none of these uh, GOP members had a leg to stand on. But, but... Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, moving on to tweets or whatever the F they're called now. Yeah, um, seriously. Are they are they X's? Are they I like, mean, I just what? have like a, I'm, so, I'm full of rants today, but I have another rant because <laughs> I tried to go on. Hold on. Twitter. Let me get another high noon. I tried to go on Twitter slash X and find what some of our young politicians have been talking about. Mm -hmm. And the last few weeks I've found quotes through like videos I've seen or news articles that I had read and literally like Twitter's unrecognizable. It's like, I can't figure out between the real person and the fake person. Cause no one's mm -hmm. verified. And then our feed, which usually mostly just consists of these young lawmakers, is now suddenly populated by people we don't follow and advertisements and all this bullshit. And I couldn't find anything. So you know where I went? I went to threads. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Are we, is that allowed? I have a thread. What? Can you define my... what is thread? Or did no. you? I'm sorry. Did you say you're hanging on by a thread, or yeah. you what? Gen generally, Anthony's always hanging on by a thread. That's true. Is that yeah? It's, it's true. It's true. Um. Well, shall I read my thread? <laughs> sure. Can't wait. Jeez, don't sound so excited. Okay. I visited Yakult Mountain Quarry, which mines 90% of the rock used in Clark County. Aggregate is crucial for housing and infrastructure, uh. but limited supply can add. $20,000 or so to average to the average housing project. Strong, predictable environmental regulations are critical, but it's important they don't inadvertently protect big players from competition. Man, where the hell's Clark County? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nevada. It's a different Clark County. Oh. oh. Yeah. Wow. Good. Uh, I was going to say that. Come on. That's the uh, like, voting place. We don't place. have any Vegas. 
Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Amelia Sykes from Ohio. No, don't. I mean, I can just tell you, we've actually talked about this person kind of recently, but I, but oh. I thought that the, the, yeah, tell us. Okay, it's know. um, it's Marie Marie Glusenkamp Perez, mm, Southwest Washington. Glusenkamp. Yep. Um, and so I just want to. There's like sort of a lot of layers to why I chose okay. this particular thread. Um, yeah, okay. tell us about the Glusenkamp. <laughs> Glusenkamp. Uh, so Marie Glusen. I hope we're saying her name right. Glusenkamp Perez, um, is a freshman lawmaker. She is someone who I would argue is a very independent lawmaker. She has voted with Republicans um, more than the average Democrat has. She represents a very rural district, a district full of a lot of industry, which is what this well, tweet and, is about. And she beat, uh, she beat uh, our our gal, um, Jamie Herrera Jamie Butler, Her Butler, who yeah. was also a very independent, right, Republican voice. though, yeah. Yes. And, so, and well, she actually, she lost, didn't beat. Well, she, she lost beat. to a right, a far right challenger. Yes, exactly. So obviously, this a, is right. a district that is very purple, very you know, middle of the road people. Yep. They went from one very moderate Republican to what appears to be a very moderate Democrat thus far. So there's a lot of nuance in this this quote of hers that I think is really important to talk about. The specifics are basically that there's this query that applied to be expanded by 110 acres last year. And then there was a community group that wanted a full examination of um, the environmental impact before this grant for expansion was um, was granted. What they were saying is there's risks of landslide, of runoff, threatening endangered species of salmon and steelhead, which is another kind of fish, and also health concerns for the community. So that's kind of the specifics of this, which like, you know, whatever we say with that, what we will. But what I think is really important about that, what she's bringing up is that there's like this push and pull in regulation. And Anthony, I feel like you can speak a bit to this because of your job that especially with environmental regulation, there's often this assumption, which is held in fact, but not as held in fact as some people want us to, you know, think that small businesses have a much harder time keeping up with regulatory um, processes and being compliant. And there was actually the Chamber of Commerce had released a study that said businesses with less than 50 employees can pay nearly 20% higher costs for regulation yeah. compliance than larger mm -hmm. companies. Um, at the same time, the London School of Economics had a study that said that uh, environmental regulations can sort of momentarily reduce employment and productivity during a transitory period, but there's little evidence to suggest that regulation deteriorates overall competitiveness, competitiveness over time. So there is, there's kind of a long-term, short-term thing going on here. And I think that Marie is like playing the fence a bit where she's saying this query is very important for the economic um, strength of the house building market, specifically in this district, um, but that also there do need to be some sort of environmental regulations, but she's not going all in like most Democrats would have saying, like, we mm. have to environmentally regulate uh, the expansion of this query. So I think that I just I think this is like a larger topic that there's so much nuance to that um, both sides use as a talking point. And I think both sides are kind of wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, for, for starters, I think the issue sometimes with regulation, especially as it relates to small businesses, is 
it actually does help monopolies sometimes because yeah yeah i mean when governments put restrictions on companies you know they usually give you hey this is not going to be enforced till this time so we're we're giving you time to figure it out but in a lot of these businesses margins are so small that it's hard for them to even you know uh do anything especially as it relates to agriculture and farming in a situation like this um you know, from the like environmentalist side too, I would just want to make a quick point. It's at some point, the far left is going to have to give on some issues related to environmentalists. California, there's not going to be access to water in areas unless we have desalinization plants, which mm-hmm. take forever to be done. So we're going to have to try and build man-made either lakes or reservoirs in the U.S. How are we going to do that? We're going to have to sidestep some of the, you know, mountain lion crossings, you know, right. groundhogs, et, et cetera. So Not the groundhogs. When, I know. <laughs> the porn, the groundhogs. But like, <clears throat> you know, my issue is when do we get to that point when we're at right. When, when we're totally up against the wall and there's a major issue happening or do we actually plan for it? So where does the giving happen? Well, it's another time when it's like, if only people could freaking work together a little bit better, because I think that this is an issue where you need someone like Marie and more, sort of a counterpart on the right. Yeah. Perhaps a, from a Democrat. State also yeah, I am. to get together and say like, okay, what, are the crises potentially, you know, crises of industry, agriculture, environment facing Washington, for example, and how do we create a blueprint that maybe could be echoed on a national level? Because I, I completely agree with you and understand what you're saying. And I think that it's, it, it's like very hard to not feel like you have to pick one polarizing side or the other when it comes to the environment and I think that from conversations we've had with young people, that's one of the biggest issues. Um, and I also think that a, a lot of young people are not yet small business owners and maybe don't understand yeah, the, this, difficulties. the difficulties of this. And But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people on the right who are so sort of using business as a shield to stop yeah a lot of regulation. So it's kind of like, how can there be a bit more of a push and pull? I can, it, uh, Michael, I know I want to hear your thoughts, but I just want to say to Anna, your thought, my first boss always told, he would tell us, he goes, you guys don't realize what it is to have to pay someone's salary and knowing on the 15th or the first, you're not able to make that payment and how that affects your business decisions. And it's true. When you get to that point and you realize you can't make those payments, how do you act? Right. You know, and it often regulation or what do you, would you rather pay your your you know people who are working for you, your employees, or do you say no, no, this is the regulation we have to do. Sorry, but you're out of a job. Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a that's a very uh, excellent point that I think, as you said, nobody knows how they would what they would do in that position until they're there. 
And it seems like, you know, one of the things that you're saying is this idea of reasonable compromise, which hmm. I think it's what, not in the vocabulary of our Congress. No. And and that's scary because it yeah. does seem like Marie in in her, you know, even though she's kind of towing both sides here, which, you know, I think sometimes you can make a case for that being, you know, a, a, a weak or soft position. I do think she is signaling that she's open to helping bridge this compromise between both sides. And I think it'll be interesting to see how the voters of her district respond to this kind of, yeah. you know, legislating, governing, because she's she'll obviously, you know, be facing a, a, yeah. a challenge yeah. um, next November. And so are, you know, and, and that she's a Democrat, the Republicans will now field a challenger. So, you know, how will how will they go about that? Is she. Is she genuine in her mm -hmm. wanting to find a middle road or is this sort of a political shield? Right. Um, well, the one thing that I just want to bring up before we move on and we don't have to belabor this, but this when I was looking at her account, she's, you know, I think her bank Congress account is on <laughs> looking at her. I know how much money she has. <laughs> she's um, in the pocket of big environment. But. Obviously. A lot of Congress people are at home right now mm -hmm. in their districts. And I wrote about this in our newsletter this week, but I was posed an interesting question, which was, would I ever work for someone who I personally mm. disagreed with, specifically if it meant better helping them connect with their constituents? And it was a very difficult thing for me to ponder. Yeah. And the kind of conclusion that I came to is that I think you know, it's circumstantial, but like the, I think the most important role of a member of Congress is to understand their district, which means both being informed by their constituents and informing their constituents about what's going on in the federal government. And I think that I just wanted to say that I think Marie is a person who does this, at least from this cycle around, uh, mm. it seems better than most. Um, and a real very and a, independently minded for her district. And a real quick, who asked you that question? Go. I'm not telling you. Mm -hmm. Name names. Was it Anthony? No. I knew it was Anthony. No. <laughs> it's a great question. Actually, if anyone yeah. didn't get last week's newsletter or this week's, I guess. Um, it is. I don't know what day it is, guys. Uh, great newsletter. Thank you. Um, quick yes or no. What would you guys, would you guys work for someone who you disagreed with to better help them connect with their constituents? I guess it depends. Um, right. Right. You know, I think that there's the glamorous, like textbook version of this a la, you know, Lincoln's team of rivals. Right. right? Um, and, and that's all like fine and well, but but like, you know, I don't know that I would go work for somebody like Tommy Tuberville, who I very much don't align with. Right. Um, you know, and 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 to, there's other examples that I could give. He's just the first, um, you know, older that idiot. That was who not the of. quick yes or no I was asking for, but I appreciate the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, what I, about you? I would, I, I would say it's a risk. The majority of people would not do this, mainly yeah. because... I so like if I was getting into politics, this would be interesting. So I could understand the other side where I'd want to say, Hey, I've worked for both sides. 
I now mm-hmm. know how to write things Anthony's that are approaching favorite. from a strategic yeah i mean you have to be strategic but if you're not wearing of course mine was emotional i was like and by the way if you're getting involved in politics you're not worried about money yeah so i i think it would be strategic where your next job if you hated it for a year you'd be like yeah you know sure yeah well i pose that to anyone who is listening to think about to ask your friends because i think it's a very uh it'll start a very spicy conversation yeah um and so who asked you this again i'm not telling you why 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 are you protecting this person it's a great question we should celebrate okay here we go uh it was billy the pact act is the largest expansion of he didn't even react yeah oh what's up sorry i just said who it was but you i listened to to one out of every 17 words you say I said uh, who it was, but you weren't listening, which uh, means you'll have to listen to the episode to find out. Ooh, okay. Um, the PACT Act is the largest expansion of VA healthcare in decades, ensuring that up to 3.5 million veterans exposed to toxic chemicals can access the healthcare services they've earned. This is personal, having served two combat tours in Iraq. I signed up for coverage myself. Okay, a veteran? Mm-hmm. Is it... Chris Deluzio. Ooh, good, good uh, guess. What side? Um, think a, a neighbor of Chris Deluzio. Same state. Democrat, different state. I don't you guys are never gonna get it. Uh, it's Pat Ryan of New York. Mm, oh, no chance. Yeah, Pat Ryan is is a really interesting guy. He's obviously a veteran, and you know the Pact Act is about to celebrate its one year anniversary. This was landmark legislation that the Biden administration spearheaded to expand healthcare coverage for uh, veterans who are affected by these toxic burn pits. And I think what's interesting about this is a couple of things. Um, you know, if you recall, this almost didn't pass because of Republican opposition, uh, which then was was soon quelled by a serious PR campaign. Uh, but which included John Stewart, which included John Stewart, who has actually been really monumental in uh, helping get the word out to a lot of veterans via his social media to actually sign up for this. So the reason I want to bring this up is because there's some statistics I want to go through that actually sort of show big bureaucracy working, which I know is a bit of an oxymoron, but the Veterans Affairs have received 786,000 disability claims under the PACT Act. Wow. They have processed almost 435,000 of them and have approved more than Thirty three hundred and forty-eight thousand, wow, hundred thousand. So they've spent seven and a half million on advertising to try and bring awareness to veterans about what they can do here. John Stewart, who you mentioned, has been critical in this. The VA has expanded by more than twenty-one thousand healthcare workers and forty-three hundred new employees in processing benefits. So this is. On the one hand, you know, there's still work to be done. The VA secretary, Dennis McDonough, has said, listen, I'm not going to be satisfied until every single veteran who has applied for this has been approved of their claim. So there's still work to be done. But 
I think this is monumental progress within an agency that has, you know, in recent years, I think, taken a lot of rightful criticism for, mm -hmm. you know, some of its just lack of attentiveness to, to veterans. Um, and so my question to you guys is that it seems like Democrats have kind of a real a kind of a real military veterans pro platform to stand on. Yeah, interesting. How do you, you know, what do you make of this and how do you think Republicans will combat this? Or how do you think Democrats will either successfully do this or drop the ball? And what was the, do you remember, like what was the Republican reasoning against the PACT Act? Well, is money. It was money. It was, um, you know, it was sort of like at a time when they were just blanket opposition to so many big bills and yeah. big spending. And, um, you know, a lot of it was concerns over, well, we don't really know mm -hmm. if these burn pits are causing these, you know, brain cancer uh, cases. So I feel like I heard there was an interesting um, episode of The Daily a couple mm. of days ago that uh, this is related, but slightly like a larger point. Are you promoting which... a competition podcast I'm going right to just now? go out there and say we're in a oh, different league God. than The Daily. <laughs> I mean, speak for yourself. Um, but no, no, no. But but the takeaway from the episode was basically that Biden is going to go out on the 2024 campaign trail talking about right. Bidenomics, which is really about spending and these big bills. And actually on that episode, they did not mention the PAC Act, which mm. so we're better than you, The Daily. Yeah. But um, like but that. I think that this is part of that messaging, right, where it's like. We've made an mm -hmm. investment in infrastructure. We've made an investment in healthcare. We've made an investment in manufacturing. We've also made an investment in veterans. Yeah. And I think that of all of those, the veterans is going to be the hardest one for anyone to push back on. And so I am curious. I assume that there are smart enough people working with Biden to include this in that messaging because so far the messaging has not been as effective as they want it to be. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that this is like, it's really hard to argue with anything veteran that's helping veterans. So yeah. I don't think the right's going to have much to push back on. Yeah. I I also think, I mean, across our platform, and we've seen this for many years on both sides, if you are not supporting veterans, I don't know what you're doing. Right. Uh, so I kind of feel like- You don't that's have a the, soul. You, you know, it's not that you, yeah, I mean- I think people would say you don't have a soul if you don't do it. And and right. I would love to understand the stats or see if people actually do care about the veterans. I know that sounds crazy, right. but I think people do it more as the political move and not as an issue they actually care about. Right. Um, and that's probably my biggest issue with it. Um, but I back to your question about is this the Democrat issue picking up? you know, before the election? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I I think each party will own this in, in a different way. Yeah. And then where they really differentiate is going to come where like Anna was saying, Biden's going to go out and talk about the Biden not, uh, 
What is Binomics. Binom- <laughs> but yeah, I can't even say it, so it's not going to go well. Well, for a guy with a stutter, I'm not sure that's the best slogan they could have come yeah, up exactly. with. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Sort of like he, Build Back he Better. Said in, he said in a speech where he was like, I thought Build Back Better was great. Ooh, um, really? I didn't love he that. But he said in a speech, he said in a speech, he was like, Binomics. I didn't come up with that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's great. Um. Well, anyway, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Go veterans. All right. So I, I have a pretty quick one. It's more of a PSA okay. announcement because okay. when I was looking at some of the tweets of some of our young politicians, I'm going to read this. I like when Anthony chastises them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm actually not chastising, dirt. but I thought I wanted to highlight this person again. And we mm. have. Okay. After six months on the Armed Services Committee, I've spoken with generals, admirals, mm. and other military leaders. Mm. Absolutely none of them requested this culture war stuff the far right injected into the defense bill. This is political theater and it helps nothing. August Fluger. Oh my God. No. Um, Can somebody just do August Fluger one week? Yeah, yeah. He's coming up. He's coming up. I'll keep guessing. Is it Robert Garcia? No, so I'm going to say the reason I'm doing a PSA announcement on him is I I was recently doing a deep dive on this guy okay. and his videos. I love his explanation videos. Oh, is it Jeff Jackson? It's Jeff Jackson. Uh, well, yeah, mean, this guy's great. And, Social and, media star. And, and by yeah. the way, I'm just telling people, just type this guy's name in, Jeff yeah. Jackson, so North good. Carolina. Watch one of his videos. I actually think it's really useful and how he's explaining things and the way he and talks he's so calm yeah he, yeah, yeah i want to uh, see him he, get mad <laughs> yeah he uh, he's doing he it without emotion which i do yeah. really appreciate it's yeah. it's just he's and going he loves, to the fact loves anything void of emotion yeah of course because i have zero emotion <laughs> so but um yeah no so that's my psa announcement about go watch one of his videos check it out and so what was this done. particular video um, saying It was again? about the NDAA. Yeah, the- this is about the NDAA, but he had a couple other videos recently, and that's mm-hmm. how I just started getting on. And it, one, one of them was about aliens, the Barbie movie. It's really good. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what was interesting in his Barbie video that I think is worth mentioning because it's kind of exactly what to just bring this back to the beginning before we end. Uh, he talked about how a lot of members of the far right, they're not really like talking about, they're not coming up with like policy and issues sort of out of their own Mm -hmm. legislative research. What they're doing is they're seizing on cultural moments like the Barbie movie and then creating opinions around them that then sort of try to fit whatever agenda they're trying to push. And I think that to Anthony's point, like Trump basically did that with the women's national team of like, okay, here's a moment and I'm going to use it to talk about wokeism and feminism and LGBTQ stuff and whatever. And so his video on Barbie was really about that, about like, how to identify uh, when people are actually coming at an issue because they have like a legislative goal or if they're coming at an issue just to try to sort of further um, some kind of talking point. Well, and I think that you've hit the nail on the head, right? And this is the problem that Republicans are going to face, that 
they are telling voters what the problem is and whether or not you agree with that problem. They're telling you this is the problem. Wokeism, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're not giving you a solution to that problem, whereas Democrats are giving you a solution to inflation with the Inflation Reduction Act. They're giving you a solution to low manufacturing in the U.S. by increasing manufacturing through the CHIPS Act. They're giving you a solution to that road filled with potholes via the infrastructure bill. So, But they're I, I not – but let me just finish this because I think we yeah. have to also – put criticism where criticism is due is that Democrats are giving those solutions, but they are not empathizing with the problem. Mm -hmm. There's a disconnect between what people feel and what mm. people are experiencing and what Democrats are saying they're solving. And I think that is where I think that Republicans are doing a better job of seizing on what specifically their voters are feeling. Whereas I think Democrats are just jumping to solutions and they're not taking the time to actually empathize with the feelings of people because most people don't think about the numbers. They don't think about right. the number of potholes in their city. They don't, you know, they think about the one pothole they drove over and it makes them angry. And then it reminds them that they're angry because they couldn't afford their bill last month. And then they think about inflation. Like, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, I just that's interesting. To add that because I think it's important to assign, uh, criticism where where i think there should be some yeah i don't know if i agree with that though i don't know if i feel like they're not doing a good job of empathi empathizing with voters i mean i think that there's always the problem of telling people it's getting better when they don't feel it's getting better yeah so that's always a challenge for the party that's in power or in control versus the party that's vying for control can just keep telling you how shitty it is. And you're mm -hmm. like, you're right. It's shitty. Right. You know? right, right. No, that's a good point. So, yeah. But, but I know what you mean that like, yes, Democrats are not connecting as well with like emotional cores of people on certain issues. Now where they are connecting very well are issues like gun safety and abortion. abortion. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like at the end Which, of the by day, the, way, is the same issues that Republicans are connecting with their, Yes, but but, but maybe not to abortion. a different yeah. degree because you know you see like just at, at the time of recording here that um a piece of legislation failed to pass in Ohio right. which was going to heavily restrict uh abort access to abortion etc. So you right um, you right you right you know it's I mean it's interesting I think Anna you can certainly make a good case to what you're saying um but. I don't know. We're just going to have to keep well, uh, listening and learning. Keep listening and learning. Should yeah. that be our slogan? Ooh, that I like that. That's good. Right. Everybody Let me just... vote. Vote if you like so listening 90. and learning as our new uh, our new slogan. Um, well, cheers to listening and learning. Cool. All right. Cheers, guys. Mm -hmm.